Well, thank you so much, and it's a beautiful to worship with you guys and enter into this sacred time of Advent together. Um, we need to say a special prayer, if you could remember Peter T. in your heart as he's caring for uh, his mother at this time, who's really ill, and so we're just thankful for Sarah to fill in for us. And um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word this morning. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts for uh, this time where we reflect on your word. We thank you for Advent, Lord, uh, this time of preparation, this time where we come with expectant hearts to see all that you would have for us. Lord, make way in us, make way in our hearts, open uh, our hearts to deliver the message that only you can deliver for us and to us in this season. Your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, have you ever had something stolen from you? It is not the best feeling, is it? You know, it's, it's just, it, it hurts to feel like, like somebody took something that was yours. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was... Uh, had this experience of having my brand new surfboard that was bought for me stolen from my house. And what made it worse is that my wife told me that what I was doing was definitely gonna get my surfboard stolen, <laughs> which was that I was leaving my surfboard on the rack of my car overnight. And it is a hilarious image to me still of thinking of somebody in the middle of the night walking down the street with my surfboard, taking it wherever they were going. But I'm okay because I, I prayed a prayer. My, my prayer was that whoever stole the surfboard uh, sold it cheaply to somebody who then sold it cheaply to somebody else, hopefully a little kid who's going to become the next Kelly Slater and be an amazing surfer. So, so God, God's going to take care of it. I think it'll be okay. And I had a good moment of perspective uh, the other day as I put my, my, uh, my second surfboard on the top of my car and my daughter told me, hey dad, you have your blue surfboard today, where's the black one? And I said, oh, remember it got stolen? And she said, you know what dad, it's fine because you have two surfboards. And I was like, yeah, you're right, that is true. Like, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, my life is not too bad. If, uh, if I one gets stolen, I have, have another one right there. And I, I want to use this theme, this theme this morning of, of being stolen. And I want us to think about uh, our first text in light of this metaphor of being stolen. Because we're going to look at uh, a passage from Hosea, who was an Old Testament prophet, and you probably know the story that the background of Hosea is that uh, he was married to Gomer, and they had three children together. But unfortunately, Gomer struggled with being unfaithful. And so in her unfaithfulness, uh, uh, Hosea was seeking, he was seeking the Lord and asking what he should do about Gomer. And what God told him to do was to go and to find Gomer and to purchase her back from a life of prostitution, from a, a life of desperation and meaninglessness. And, and this wasn't just for him alone and, and his wife to repair their marriage, but this was also to serve as a metaphor 
for how God was going to deal with Israel, who was also lost in their own infidelity. And so let me read these words with that in mind from Hosea chapter 11, and you'll, you'll see how God is speaking in this text. It says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son, but the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to Baals, which is like idols, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Do you hear the beautiful words in this story? I love this imagery of ties of love, and so I just want to pull on that verse for a second and, 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 and see how in our text, as we've been going through this Advent season, that that, you know, we often think of God, the populist version of God is that he w he's somehow far off and distant, emotionless, right? And looking down on humanity from a distance. And yet in all of our texts, we see a lot of emotion in God. In the Old Testament, God of the Old Testament, there was a lot of emotion. You know, we heard about his weariness and his frustration. And, and here we see, we, here we see God's uh, way of how he tried to love Israel, right? It says he sent ties of love to them. And so if we're thinking about the metaphor, join with me, if we think about how God steals, I want to think about uh, a people that are in a dark place. And like, if you want to think of that, that rope of love, like you're in a pit and a rope of love is being sent down these cords of human kindness. Gomer in her darkest moment was sent Hosea as a cord of love to rescue her out of this dark pit, out of this dark life, out of this meaningless life. And in the same way, God is saying, can you remember, Israel? I know you're lost in your idolatry. I know that right now, uh, these, these, these idols are really saying, like, they're rejections of God. Like what an idol is, is just to say, you know what, God, whatever you have, we're going to make something else and we're going to follow that instead, or we're going to follow you, but we're also going to follow this and we're going to split our allegiance. And all of that says to God, I, I don't really need you. It's an expression of unfaithfulness. And yet time and time again, we see through the story of scripture that then God sends his, his cord of love, right? We might think of the pit of oppression that Israel was in when they were in Egypt, right? And then the, the, the cord of love, this rescuing 
of the parting of the Red Sea, to say, I, I want my people to be liberated. Or as then, they were walking through their wilderness and they had uh, hungry stomachs. That God sends manna as a cord of love to say, I don't just want to liberate you, but I also want to provide for you. I want to sustain you and take care of you. Or we can think about how it must have been out there in the wilderness, like, like a pit of darkness. And yet God says, here's a fire at night, my presence, to lead you out here in the wilderness. Or you could think about the pit of confusion, of like trying to really bring people together and organize them and have them deal with power and relate to one another in a way that actually produces goodness, the goodness that God wants, the love that God wants. This pit of confusion, so God says, here's the Torah. Do you take this, this core, this, this love, can I show you how to be together and to care for one another? Can I give you this law that will help you to flourish? We think about just the pit of knowing what you should do and still not being able to do it, right? We, we kind of call that the middle-aged pit, I think, you know? It's like when you're young, you just make mistakes and you don't know really who you are, so you just make them blindly. By the time you get to middle age, you know the mistakes you're going to make, and unfortunately, you can't help yourself. You still make them. And so you find this despair that creeps in, and yet for the people of Israel in their middle ages, they were developing, right? And they keep making these mistakes. They keep repeating the same patterns of failure. God says, here's my temple. Here is a place where my presence will dwell with you as a symbol of hope, of sustaining hope, that there is a place where God will be with you and you can go be with God to show you that this life has meaning and purpose and it's not all darkness and despair. Here is a cord of love of my temple. And did you also find in this text that how God interacted with Israel is the way that a loving parent interacts with their child. Now, we all have different versions of what that, that means for us as we think about our own human parents. Um, some good examples, some bad examples, some just a sense of absence. And I want to acknowledge that here today. But I also want to look at the scripture and to say, no matter what our parents were like, that we get pictures of what a really wonderful parent is like in this text. And in some ways, that matters the most. That God as Father interacts with us in this way. I can remember uh, I was coaching AYSO soccer this year and there was a moment actually there's a lot of moments in soccer where the kids get hurt and uh, there was one where my son who is like a defensive specialist who is fearless he, he, he's not the best dribbler or scorer but he is an awesome defender and he'll throw his body in front of anything and so 
you know, one of their best players was on a breakaway and he threw his body in front of him to stop a goal, which is really awesome, but he fell to the ground and he's in tears on the ground. And in this day, we just had a really bad ref who was used to coaching older kids. And so he told my son that if I come out to go get him, that he had to come out of the game. Well, my son wasn't liking that and he's there on the ground crying, right? And so in the middle of the game, I'm like, I'm going to get my son right now. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, he's crying, I'm coming out. And I just went out there and I got down on a knee, right? Like all the other good coaches, all the other good parents, and you just sit there with the kids on their level and you meet them there on their level and, and you express compassion and understanding. You see, in this text, we see God coming down to the human level. He says, like a father, he bent down, not only he lifted the child up. He lifted Israel up, his beloved, ch his beloved children, his beloved community, and he put them against his cheek to show his love. And yet we know this story is a story of lament, right, that we see here that God did this time and time again, but the, the lament is that, that still Israel did not return the love. Still Israel chose to be in their unfaithfulness and in their darkness. But thankfully, Christmas is, is a continuation of this story because the ultimate way that God got on our level is through Jesus. That, that God sent his cords of human love and affection and they were rejected. And so then he thought of the ultimate expression of his love. And he sent Jesus to become one of us to get down on our level in every possible way. Um, there was a youth group that really stood out to me when I was a youth pastor when we'd go up to camp at Forest Home. And they, they stood out for a number of reasons. One of the reasons was because uh, they had uh, different color hair and they had tattoos. Um, and uh, they were just, a, just a, they didn't look like any of the other suburban church youth groups that were around that would go up to the camp. But the other thing that, that made them stand out is that whenever we gathered for worship together, that they would be up front, and they would be sold out, arms raised, shouting, like they were at a concert, like they were at a punk rock concert, just shouting their praises to God. And I became friends with a youth pastor at this youth group. And I asked them, uh, I asked him, you know, what's the deal? What's going on with you guys? And they were this youth group from Port Wainini. And the youth group told me that it was his story uh, that, that kind of generated the culture around the youth group. And he told me the name of their youth group. They were called the Stolen Youth. And he said that the reason why that they were called the stolen youth was because that in his uh, story, that he had a background in drugs. And that, that one day, 
uh, one of his mentors came to him in that life and said, God wants to steal you away. God wants to steal you away. He wants to rescue you from this life and show you something so much better. And so this youth pastor knew where kids like him hung out and he would go there and he would give this message to them. And there was something about this culture of these, these students that when you know that God steals you away, that God has rescued you, that truly has rescued you with his cords of love, that you don't really care who's watching when you worship or you know, how you look to everybody else because you just are so excited that you have this new life, that, that love is possible. This is, I think, some of the spirit of what Paul is trying to give to the church in Ephesus and one of my favorite scriptures. And at the beginning of this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul starts with this phrase, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I love that posture, right? We saw God get down on our level, and then we talked about how Jesus became one of us as the ultimate expression of being with us. And we see here, too, Paul is so committed to what he is about to pray for this church that he gets down low. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And then he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. To whom to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul knew in spite of it all, in spite of whatever the circumstances look like, that there is a love that is so powerful that you could be rooted and established in it, that it could change everything. And so today, my prayer is that if you're here and you just need somebody to say to you, you need God, to say to you, I want to steal you away. I want to steal you away from a life of meaninglessness, of darkness, of hopelessness, and in its place, I want to give you a love that is wider than you can possibly think, deeper than you could possibly imagine, and it is worth everything. 
It is worth everything to find. With that, would you receive uh, a prayer now as I pray that we would know the love of Jesus? Would you just open your heart? Lord, we open our heart and we let out despair. We let out grief. We let out disappointment. We let out addiction. We let out any sin that might entangle us. And Lord, in its place, we receive your hope, your peace, your love, and your joy. And we thank you that it was the joy set before you that made you endure the cross as the ultimate expression of human love, of godly love to us. May we come so close to you now, Lord Jesus, to receive this precious gift. And may it make our hearts glad and may our souls know their worth because of what you have done. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.